Thank you for downloading this podcast from Victory Outreach Manchester. We pray that this message will bless your life as you listen. Jesus, we declare that you are Lord. Holy Spirit, move. We shake off all heaviness. It's not the garment that we wear. Listen, if you're wearing a garment of heaviness tonight, you need to put on a garment of praise. Because you, you were in last year's fashion. Hallelujah. You can take your seats. We're going to jump into this tonight. First of all, before we begin, I just I'm grateful tonight for my salvation. How many of you are grateful for salvation? Sometimes we take it for granted, right? But there was a time when we weren't saved. We were lost, we were confused, we were bound, we were broken, we didn't have any hope. But thank God that Jesus Christ is real. Amen? Can you say amen? Amen. So I'm grateful for my salvation. This year marks 29 years of salvation. When you consider that I was a drug addict and allegedly a criminal for many, many years, and I was told more than once that I was never, ever going to change. That 29 years of sobriety and freedom from addiction is the glory of God. Amen? It is the glory of God. And I'm also grateful for my pastor, Pastor Sonny Argonzoni. Can someone give a big round of applause for our pastor, Pastor Sonny? What a man of God. What a man of God. He's in his mid-80s, and he is still rocking it for Jesus. Amen. He's doing things in his mid-80s that some of you in your 20s and 30s, you, you, you stumble at even coming to a regional service, hallelujah, because it's tiring, amen. And he's going from one service to another service, to another country, to another country, to another country. And uh, he's, the sort, he's wearing the shoes that I want to I want to walk in, amen? I want to follow those footprints. And uh, I'm so, so, so grateful for our pastors, Pastor Sonny, Sister Julie, Pastor Mitchell, Pastor Brian, you know, all the pastors that have gone before us. But I want to jump into this tonight, and the theme of this regional set of meetings is, is fruit season. And we're hearing a lot about fruit season, but what do we mean when we say it's fruit season? You know, sometimes in Christian circles, we can say all of this stuff, and we say, it's fruit season. Everyone goes, ah. And they've got no idea what we're talking about. It's fruit season. What does that mean? So we're going to look at it. What is that supposed to look like in the reality of our lives? One thing I'm ruthless about in my preaching, in my ministry, and in my life is to get away from using Christian jargon, from speaking in Christianese. Because there's only a little group of people who understand what you're talking about. And normally, they're the worst types of people. I want to be able to take what Scripture says, and I want to be able to walk it out in a way that is supernaturally natural. Can someone say amen? amen. So, 
what, what, what does fruit season mean in the reality of our lives? When you're walking down the streets of Glasgow, what does it mean that it's fruit season? When you're in Liverpool and you, you're, you're walking around and something takes place, what does it mean that it's fruit season? Why is it important that it's fruit season? These are some of the questions that I want to at least give us an idea of how to look at and reframe our thinking and frame our thinking on this. Because if we can catch a hold of this, it can truly be the best year that we've ever had. You might, you might think that when you were 19 was the best year you ever had. Might, you know, when you were thin, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Don't forget you were on drugs then, man. It was, that's the only reason you were skinny. You was on the H-plan diet or the C-plan diet. Come on, somebody. Right? The best year is the one that you're in right now. It should be the one right now because now is reality. And it's fruit season. What does God say about it? The very first psalm, psalm number one, talks about godly people who don't mess around with wicked, sinful, mocking people, but who learn and follow God's instructions for life. They're the first two verses of Psalm number one. And then in verse three, it says this. These people that don't mess around with the nibblers and the backbiters and the slanderers and the slidy, snaky, flaky, shaky people. Come on, somebody. Right? The ones that actually read the Word of God and put it into practice, tells us what these people are like in verse 3. It says, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. How many of you would like to prosper in all that you do? Huh? But you have to see that when God's talking about his expectation of a godly person, he likens them to trees. Not wild trees. Some of you know there's lots of wild trees out there. There's lots of, you know, wild Christians that don't go to church. Hallelujah. Amen. There's lots of Christians out there that prayed a prayer once, but now they live like the devil for the rest of their life. There's lots of Christians that go to church on a Sunday and then live like practical atheists for the other six days of the week. Because Jesus ain't in their day. They don't get up and say, hallelujah, glory to God, Holy Spirit, come, be with me, Jesus is Lord. They don't do that. They live as if they're making their own decisions for their lives. They don't bring God into it. They don't bring his word into it. They're wild trees. You've got to be careful about praising God when you're in a service and living like an atheist when you're outside a church. These are planted trees. Planted intentionally in good soil near living water. That's what he's talking about. Living water. And that these are the trees that bear fruit each season. Now you have to understand there are specific seasons for bearing or producing fruit. It ain't fruit season every year. Amen? 
There's some trees that don't produce fruit every year. Right? There's some trees that don't produce fruit every month. Some seasons that you're in are planting seasons. I mean, you know, there's five phases of a, of, of a tree's growth. First of all, it's planted, and its little roots go down. I mean, you know, your roots have got to go down before anything goes up. So its little roots go down, and they seek nourishment. Then it starts to break through the soil. When, you, when, you, when, you, when you've been planted somewhere, you've got to break through the soil. The soil is the society, the atmosphere, the culture that's around you. You've got to break up out of that and poke your head up sometimes and make a stand. Too many people want to blend in. They want to hide. They want to be an underground tree. Ain't no such thing as an underground tree. It's just a tree that hasn't grown. Then it grows up and it's like this little withered thing. This little branch comes out. Come on, somebody. It's like, they call it a sapling. How many of you know this? There's lots of times when you're a new Christian or you've just been planted somewhere or you just started a ministry, you feel like a sap. Ling. Right? Sometimes you think, I'm an oak tree already. No, you're not. You're just a little sapling. <laughs> it's all right. It's part of growth. It's okay. The tree grows up, but then the tree grows out. So it grows up a bit, but then it grows out. You've got to grow up to a certain stage. Then you've got to fill out. Some people want to grow as high as they can, but they don't fill out. Then you're just a trunk. You're a telegraph pole. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's all you are. Right? You're a log. You have to grow up, and then you grow out. And then when you've grown out and filled out, then you'll shoot up again. And then you'll fill out, and then you'll shoot up again. And then you'll fill out until you reach the height that you're intended to be, and you reach the depth and width that you're intended to have. But there's seasons for that. Some seasons you're in. And you're in that growing season. You're in that, just that growing, stretching season. There ain't no fruit coming on you. You might have a little bud. <laughs> Come on now. Sometimes you get a little bud, you think you made it. I'm a holy man, look at me. Look at my bud. Sometimes there's a pruning season. Woo. We don't like talking about the cup. How many of you know you learn from the cut, not the stitches? Sometimes you've got to get cut back. Sometimes God wants to remove from us some of the fluff, some of the bush, some of the stuff that should not be in the way of the life-giving juice and the life-giving flow, trying to get to where God wants it to be. Sometimes God comes and he cuts away unnecessary things in our lives. Sometimes it's people, sometimes it's situations, sometimes it's things that we've created as idols in our lives. Anything can be an idol. Come on now. Food can be an idol. The Bible talks about people whose God is their belly. <laughs> some, are, some people got some big gods. <laughs> Different things can be idols. An idol is anything that you worship other than God. But then things begin to grow. Things begin to develop. And I believe that it, we are in fruit season right now in this region. I really believe it. 
is two things to know about trees. This is what God's looking for in fruit season in your life. Two things that godly people exhibit. Trees are solid and stable, right? And their fruit is useful. So they're solid and they're useful. Does that describe you? Does that describe your life right now? Because that is what God is requiring of his people in the day and the age that we're living in. In fact, it's what he's always required of his people. Read through the Bible. Every single man and woman of God was solid. They were stable. Even when they, they, they blew around and their leaves blew off and the storms came. You know that a tree is healthy. That even when the storm comes, it stays standing at the end of it. Why? Because its roots are deep, its trunk is strong, it's flexible enough to bend. Hallelujah. It's not self-righteous. I mean, you know, there are some people that are so self-righteous, they will never bend to anything. They're right. They've got to be right. This is my way. This is what I believe. This is how it should be. And then when the storm comes, they're blown over, they're cracked, they're broken. At the end of it, they come out, they're all fraggled and wizened. Ain't got a branch left on them. Amen? But good trees, good solid trees are trees that are stable, they're solid, they've gone through their phases, right? And then they produce fruit that is useful. Let's build on it a little bit more. Psalm 92, verse 12 through 14. It says this. Once again, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Where do palm trees grow? Jamaica. (laughs) Don't see that in the Bible, man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Palm trees grow in in, in inhospitable places, in hot places, in dry places more often than not. But it says they flourish. They flourish because they know how to adapt to the situation. They know how to be stable. They know how to be rooted. They know how to be flexible. And they produce fruit that's useful. It says he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. You know what that means? The cedars in Lebanon were strong trees, and they were the tallest trees of all. They grew to great heights. It was these trees that were used in the temple in Jerusalem. That's how valuable their wood was. That's how valuable these trees were were considered by God. That's what it's likening a righteous person to. A tree that is solid, that is useful. And then he says this, verse 13. Those who are planted, planted in the house of the Lord. Where? In the house of the Lord. They didn't just get there by accident. They were planted. There's an intentionality about this. And they're planted in the right place. We saw before the trees were planted and rooted near the living water. Now we're seeing these trees are planted in the house of the Lord. You you can't be a wild tree and still be in God's good books. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall what? Once again, shall flourish 
in the courts of our God. That means in his presence. That means before his face. That means in the places of decision. That means in the place where things are done. That means in the place of usefulness. I don't know about you, but how many of you want to live a life that is right there in the presence of God, that is in the places of strategy, that is in the decision-making process, that is in the place where God is, is in the place where things start to happen? I don't know about you, but there ain't no other place to be. And it says they shall still bear fruit in old age. See, this is, when, 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 when you're like this, there's legacy. You don't just blow up, blow out, you don't just have fruit one season. Are you with me? There's loads of people that I've known in my 20, 29 years of Christianity that were great in one season, but they're not here in any other season. Never seen them since. Come on, somebody. Right? I don't want to be that. I want to be someone that bears my fruit in season. So if, if, if the season's every year at some stage or every couple of years, then in those seasons, when it's fruit season, I want to bear fruit in that season. I don't want to miss a few seasons. I don't want to have one season and then no more seasons. Do not live your Christianity like that. He says they shall still be fresh and flourishing. Woo, hallelujah. This is where we're at. This is the possibility and the opportunity that we have in our churches, in our region right now, collectively. And it doesn't matter if you've been with us for 20 years or 20 minutes. The fact is that by default, if you are part of this movement and this ministry right now in this region, you have come into fruit season. There is some fruit that's there. It's developed. Something is there. And it's a direct result of where they're planted. In the house of the Lord. There comes a time in your spiritual journey when you have to decide to lay down some roots. There's a lot of pot plant Christians. We've seen it, you know, especially since COVID. Pot plant Christians. They've got a little bit of soil around them, but they're in a pot. And they, 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 they just pop, plop, plop themselves down anywhere. This is where I am. This is where I'm this week, I'm over here this week, I'm over there next week. And it's okay because you're a tree and you're planted and you're in soil. The problem is that the roots start getting frustrated because they're limited, because they can't break out, they can't go any further, they start curling up on themselves, they start going into what's called toxic shock. And then the tree, instead of flourishing and growing, the tree starts to shrink and wither. Why? Because you're not meant to just be limited. You're meant to be flourishing. You're meant to be rooted and growing and stretching out and spreading out. I don't know about you, but if I can't grow, if I can't see growth taking place, I get frustrated. I don't like being around negative people that are always telling me, we can't do this. We can't do that. You shouldn't do this. Oh, we can't do this. Oh, you shouldn't do that. It frustrates the life out of me. I want to be around people that are like, yeah, we'll do it. If I, I'm like, you know what? I'm really feeling this. Who's with me? And I'm going, and I've got people going, you know what, Pastor? I'm in. I'm with you. Let's get in the car. Let's go on a mission. When I was back in the world, we used to live like that. We'd be sitting there getting mad and getting crazy, and someone would come up with a mad idea, some crazy scheme, some little plot. 
And someone would say, let's go and do this. And all the guys were in. We're like, yeah, man, let's do this. And we'd jump in the whip and we'd be off. Come on, somebody. And that's what used to get us in trouble. But now God's turned it around. He hasn't taken away your personality. He's given you a new character. But sometimes I wonder if you get saved and all of a sudden you get watered down. I'm a Christian now. Can't take risks. What do you mean you can't take risks? What's faith all about? You're risking your life based upon the evidence of Jesus Christ. Who is who he says he is. And he's saying, who's getting in the car with me? Because we're going on a mission. You know, it makes me laugh that God speaks to people and then they have to go and pray about it. Who are you praying to? God just told you what to do. And you have to pray about it. I, I kind of had a half a vision once of God laughing on his throne. He's told someone, this is what I want you to do, my son. This is what I want you to do. We're going on a mission. Get in the car. And he, this dude was like, all right, let me pray about it. Let me fast about it. Let me pray about it. And the Lord's like, Gabriel, come over here, man. I've just told this dude what to do. He wants to go and pray about it. Gabriel's like, <laughs> who's he praying to? How many of you have ever done that? Don't do that no more. If God tells you to do it, do it. If God tells you to get in the car, get in the car. Tell, say, where do you want me? Front seat, back seat, in the boo, where do you want me? I'm in the car. Jesus, I'm going. We need some of that old school craziness. My pastor, Pastor Mitchell, came up to me and Vicky one day and said, I want you to go to Manchester. Why? Is it a punishment? Have I done something wrong? He explained there was pastors here. They're coming back. Some other pastors were meant to go. They've pulled out. We, want, we don't want to shut it. We, there's some couple of people there. We want, would you go? We're like, uh. If I'm honest with you, you know, some people talk about the calling of God and the city. God placed a city on my heart. He never placed Manchester on my heart. I didn't used to wake up in the morning with Manchester. You know what I mean? Visions of the Gallaghers and all that. <laughs> I'm going to reach the Gallagher. It's an oasis for me, Lord of the Desert. I never had that. But we were asked to go. And we prayed, God, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. We've been at the altar. We prayed those prayers. We sung those songs. We did that stuff. Me and Vicky, we were naive. We were newly married. We were in love. We didn't know what was going on. We were living in a one-bedroom temporary accommodation flat in the middle of a sink estate in the ends in Acne. We were desperate to get out of that place. When do you want us to go? Next week. All right. Where do you want me? Front seat, back seat, or in the trunk? That's why we're here. That's why this is here. That's why you're here. Come on, somebody. 
It's part of the reason. Because we planted your churches from here. Your pastors rose up from here. Come on, somebody. If we didn't get in the... So who's waiting for you to get in the car? Who's waiting for you to get rooted somewhere? Who's waiting for you to bring some fruit up? Who's waiting for your fruit to become useful to someone else? Someone's waiting for your fruit. You've got to lay down some roots. You've got to make a covenant. Amen. Not contract. There's too many contract Christians. I'll come to church as long as the pastor's nice to me. I'll come to church until they ask for too much money. I'll come to church until the, the rain is too hard. I'll come to church. Come on, somebody. Until they preach something I don't like from the Word, even though it's in the Word of God. Because that's a contract. A contract says, I'll do this if you do that. But if you don't do that, then I'm not going to do this. But we need covenant Christians. We need Christians that say, I don't care what you do, because what you do doesn't affect what I'm going to do. I've made a decision that this is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm laying down my roots. And whether you go or you stay is down to you. But I have made a covenant with my God and with his church that this is going to be my home. This is my soil. My roots are going down here. There's living water flowing. I am going to be here and I am going to grow here and I'm going to bear fruit here. We need some more of that. But that means having some discipline in your prayer life, in your word life. It means fasting a little bit. And I'm not talking about between meals. Amen. Fasting resets your life. In fact, instead of fasting every now and again, live a fasted life. Live a life where you, you never have anything to excess. Control yourself. Control your tongue. Hallelujah. Oh, you pray in tongues, but your tongue is also a flame of fire. So after you've been shaka-laka-laka and you've been praying in tongues in a language you don't understand to a God you can't see, all of a sudden, in the, after that holy moment, you come out and you speak negativity to someone you can see with the same tongue. Grab your tongue. Sometimes grab a hold of your tongue. Fast from stupidity. Can we be real? Huh? This is deeply theological stuff, but I'm taking a Christianese out of a lot of it. What about your shining your light stuff? What about your helping the poor stuff? What about your picking someone up for church stuff? What about your living right stuff? What about your living like a Christian, not just a practical atheist? Stuff. What about having Jesus leading you in your, 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 your workplace and leading you in your, your college and leading you in your education and leading you in your relationships? Means getting locked into your church, 
and it's a vision. You have trouble giving, some of you? You know why? Because you don't know the vision. You see the needs and you don't give to that because you're stingy. You have enough needs. Get it. I wouldn't give to people's needs either. We're meant to do that as Christians, but in church, like, what am I going to pay the light bill for? But I'm going to pay for souls to be saved. I'm going to pay for homes to be to be, to be launched. I'm going to pl- pay for the gang to rise up. I'm going to pay for kids' gang. Because how many of you know there's pastors rising up in our kids' gang? There's pastors that are going to pastor your children. They're going to lead your kids to the law. That right now they're in kids' gang. There's a vision. There's a vision going forward. There's other cities there. There's other nations there. We've got to get locked into that. Because that's the best way to grow. means looking at your level of attendance. Coming to, coming to church once a week is, is like, that's mandatory. Imagine you took heroin once a week. <laughs> and then you came in the home and you're like, oh, I'm a heroin addict. Everyone's going to laugh at you, man. Shut up. You ain't even got a habit. <laughs> Gyro junkies, we used to call them. They used to, get, they used to get high once a week when they got their, their, their social money. Hallelujah. All of us hardcore bods, we're putting in work every single day to build that habit. Come on, somebody. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. We were putting in work every day. We were doing overtime every day. We had four jobs a day just to, just to make that habit work. And there's some Christians that say, I'm a Christian. They come to church once every two weeks. We've got to up the game, man. We've got to start up in the game. Turn around and tell someone, up your game. And what about your engagement? What about your engagement? Listen, it's okay if you want to come to church. If you only come to church once a, once a week, once a month, at least you're coming. Hallelujah. That's a good starting point. We don't denigrate that. But don't live there. And then what about engagement? You can't come to church just to take all the time. It's not the social. Come on, somebody. Because then you're treating your pastor like a drug dealer. And you're only coming when you need a fix. What's wrong with that picture? And then as soon as you get your dopamine fix at the altar after jumping up and down and receiving worship from someone that's putting hours of prayer, that's written songs, that lives right, that fasts, that practices, and you're there getting a dopamine fix, come on somebody, and you're feeling good, and you're feeling nice, and you're feeling fine, and then you go away, and for the next two weeks you're living off that high, but it ain't the most high. It ain't about getting high, it's about getting fixed, it's about getting changed, it's about being transformed in the inner man, it's about becoming holy, it's about being sanctified, it's about becoming more like Jesus, it's about moving away from your old life and moving closer into your new life, it's about being everything that God wanted you to be, it's about not just staying as a sapling but growing up and being strong and being solid and providing shade and bearing fruit. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Means looking at who you're hanging about with and why. No one's ever told anyone in our churches to cut off all your friends, cut off all your family if they're not saved. This ain't some mad little place. We can still have friends. I have friends that are not Christians. 
Why? Because I'm the only Christian that maybe is in their life. I'm not hanging about with them every day. I'm not going to the pub with them. I'm not going out clubbing with them. Come on, somebody. I'm not sniffing coke with them because I'm trying to be relevant. I'm saying no to that stuff. When they tempt us and they, they do that. You don't, know, you don't know how many times I've been tempted. Oh, come and do a robbery. Come and do a bit of work. Come and get a bit of easy money. Hold on to this. Do that. Do that. Let's go and do this. And then oh, all your money troubles will be, be over. But you know what I say? I'm like, I'm a Christian, man. I'm a pastor. Listen, I don't do that. I don't do that anymore. That's not my, that's not my thing. Listen, this is what I believe in. And, and, and you know what you're doing? When darkness is all around, you're switching on the light. Because they need that. Because someone did that for you. Got to be careful about celebrating what God doesn't tolerate. Don't celebrate what God doesn't tolerate. And all of this is intentional. Being planted doesn't happen by accident. In the New Living Translation, verse 13 says, For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house, and they flourish in the courts of our God. And what this pictures is when Jesus uproots you from the ground of sin and lust and addiction and selfishness, he takes you. And he transplants you into the soil of his kingdom. And then the type of tree that you are changes. And the thing is, as you go into that soil, your roots change. Your identity changes. You are no longer black, white, brown. You're no longer Irish or Scottish or American or Mexican. All of a sudden, your identity shifts. You're no longer a drug addict. You're no longer a prostitute. You're no longer a banker. You're no longer this or that. You become a Christian. You become someone that belongs to Jesus Christ. Your root changes. You are Christian first. Can someone say amen? We belong to Christ first. And then when that root changes, the tree grows different. And then the fruit changes. Huh? Problem is, there's some people who still have some old dirt clinging to their roots. They, got, they get transplanted, but they're still clinging on to that old dirt from some of that old, that old lifestyle, clinging around their identity. We've seen it many times. People default to, I'm this, I'm that, I stand with this, I stand with that. No, stand with Christ. Where's your Christ? Where's, where's, where's your stand for Christ? Show me your stand for Christ and then let's look at your stand for something else. So what do we know about seasons and fruit? Firstly, not every season is fruit season. But when fruit season comes, you've got to recognize it. We've been through some planting seasons. Ain't none of us new in this place right now. Come on, somebody. We ain't got no new churches in here right now. We've got churches that have been growing up for three, four years. Glasgow, three years. Birmingham, four years. Liverpool's been out for how many years? Eight years. Come on, somebody. London's been, been out for all sorts of years, backwards and forwards. Hallelujah. Manchester, we've been here for 20 years. I don't know how long Frankfurt's been out, but it's been, been a few years, but we changed it. 
So we replanted it. There ain't no one new in this place. Are you with me? And we've been through a growing seasons. We've been through some sapling seasons. Then we've been through some pruning seasons. Sometimes God comes and he cuts a few people back. Sometimes you move building and people don't move with you. Come on, somebody. You only move down the road, but people can't, can't, make, the, can't make the switch. So God prunes them away. And it's okay. We all need shaping up from time to time. We all need help to grow into our full potential as believers. You ain't doing it on your own. That's called discipleship. The problem is that many people pray for deliverance but don't want discipleship. Don't ever ask for deliverance if you don't want discipleship. Because all that will happen is that one devil will leave you and seven will come back in. Because if that thing's empty in your life, swept clean and unoccupied, and there's been no stuff put in there, there's been no goodness put in there, there's no discipline put in there, then that spirit's going to come back at some stage, and it's going to see where it left, and it's going to look like it's empty and unoccupied, and it's going to whistle up its friends, and then the condition of your life is going to be worse than it was before you ask for deliverance. But when you're positioned right, when your life is consecrated to God, when you're in covenant with him and his people, then it's fruitful. See, it's all about positioning. It's all about being in the right place. It's all about positioning. Consecration means that you have given everything. I'm not talking about you've left some stuff back. You've given everything to Jesus. Your wrongs, your rights, everything else. How many of you have done that? How many of you can safely say, you know what, I trust Jesus with the rest of my life. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. I haven't got a back door, I haven't got a secret escape plan, I haven't got a tenor in me sock, come on somebody. I, I, I haven't got some other little thing, some other project, some other place, some other philosophy that I'm going to fall back on. It's Jesus or nothing. I'm not going back to that old life. I'm not going back to the darkness. Jesus is my everything. I'm sold out for the cause of the gospel. I belong to Jesus. He has my allegiance. He is my king. He is my Lord and he is my saviour. If you haven't got that, you need to get that today. You need to have that tonight. You need to have that mindset before you leave this place, otherwise you're going to miss out on so much good stuff. And then you've got a covenant. We've spoken about that. You've got to make that decision that I'm in it for the right reasons. When you do that in your position and you're there in the streams of living water, you're surrounded by people that have the same mindset, have the same heart, the same vision, the same direction that they're going in, then you're going to grow. You're going to start to grow healthily. You're going to start to grow strong. You're going to start to become solid. And then you're going to bear fruit. And when that fruit comes, my goodness, life comes. Are you following me right now? The thing is, when it's fruit season, check this out. This is the beautiful bit. It's just fruit season. You can't force it. There's too many Christians that are there and they're not really in the right position. And they're trying to force out a little bud. <laughs> they're trying to really put some effort into it. You know, they put a lot of effort into it. Hallelujah. 
They put a lot of work into it. You know, like, I'm going to bear fruit if it kills me. Right? I'm going to do this. And they sacrifice. They make sacrifices, stupid sacrifices, emotional sacrifices, trying to squeeze out a little bit of fruit. But in fruit season, God just says to the tree, time to bud. And the bud just comes. One day you're looking at the tree and there's nothing on it. The next day you go back and there's blossom on the tree. The tree's not been there all night squeezing out a bit of blossom. It's about positioning, not performance. Oh, this is where you've got to catch it. It's about positioning, not performance. The tree was planted in the right place. And when it was time then for the fruit to come, God just said, let the fruit come. And the fruit started to come. The blossom came up. I don't know about you, but in our church in Manchester, I'm seeing the blossom. I'm smelling the blossom. In our churches, we were talking as pastors. And I'm hearing the sound of the blossom rustling in the trees. It might not be the budget. It might not be the full fruit yet. But I am seeing the blossom. I am seeing the blossom. And I know that the bud follows the blossom and the fruit follows the bud. God makes it happen. We water, we plant, we water, but God brings the increase. And when it's fruit season, it's fruit season. You just got to go with it. You got to flow with it. But watch this. It just happens. You just start to be blessed. You start to get blessed. You're like, what's happening? And then part of you, the natural part of you recoils from it. Oh, I don't deserve it. What's going to go wrong now? Nothing's going to go wrong. It's fruit season. When, when's the blossom going to rot? It ain't going to rot. It's fruit season. God said it's fruit season. Blossom comes out. But then what you've got to do, you've got to protect it. That's what you've got to do. How do you protect between the blossom and the fruit? Sometimes you've got to stop cursing your own fruit. You know how many people curse their own blessing? You know, even men of God. Noah, check this out. Noah and his family, the Bible says, were blessed of God. He blessed them, told them to go be fruitful and multiply on the earth. That was Noah and his sons. Later on, we see that after they came out of the ark and the water receded off the earth, Noah planted a vineyard. Things were different now. Before flood, after flood, atmospheric differences, differences in the soil. There's differences everywhere in reality. He plants a vineyard. He makes wine out of it. Maybe the wine's more potent. Maybe it's more cursed. Who knows what's taking place. He has a little sip of his wine and he gets drunk. And he lays there in his tent naked. Amen? Like a Friday night in Liverpool. <laughs> you see people like that. Come on, somebody. Go out, get drunk, laying around all over the floor. Uh. And not just Liverpool either. Manchester's the same, let me tell you. It's worse sometimes. And don't let me talk about London or Birmingham. <laughs> Frankfurt, you don't even want to go downtown sometimes. But he's laying in his tent naked. And the Bible says that his son Ham comes in. And it says that he uncovers his father's nakedness. What does that mean? That's like Bible language, you know. It's obscure language. But it has different meanings. It could mean that he walked in, saw his father was laying there drunk and naked, 
and just looked at him, looked down upon him, looked at him with derision, lost respect, walked out, told his brothers, but didn't do nothing to, to save his father's embarrassment. That's one option. The second option is to uncover someone's nakedness is to sleep with their wife. Now we're getting deep, right? The third option is even worse. He slept with his dad. Check that out. There's three options, and scholars are divided as to which one it is. The fact is that it was dishonorable. When the other brothers heard what had taken place, they walked in, not even looking at their father, got a cloak, covered their father, and walked out not so as not to dishonor him. But watch this. This is how powerful God's blessing is. When Noah woke and found out what happened, he didn't curse his son Ham. You know why? Because you can't curse what God has blessed. So what he did is he cursed Ham's son Canaan. So why is it that when God blesses us and we start seeing blossom develop, on the branches of the tree of the righteousness of our lives that God has ordained for us in a season that all of a sudden we want to curse it and say that can't be right, that can't be true, that can't be for me, I'm not worthy, I shouldn't receive this, I haven't done anything to deserve this. All of those things are true, but don't negate the blessing of the blossom. Protect it. When God starts blessing you, start receiving it. Say, I'm a blessed man. I'm a blessed woman. My family is blessed. My church is blessed. My now is blessed. My future is blessed. My household is blessed. The work of my hands are blessed. The words from my lips, God, let them be blessed. Enlarge the place of my territory, oh God. Bless me indeed. Bless me, don't curse me. Bless me. What God has blessed, let no one curse and start protecting the blessing by speaking faith into that situation. By taking what God has given to you and starting to nurture it, starting to protect it, starting to cover it from the little wiggly worms and the little wiggly caterpillars and the birds of the air that come to try and mess up the fruit and steal the seed. And more often than not, you've invited them in. What is this? This don't belong to me. Birds of the air, come. Birds of the air go, okay then. The little demons, those little spirits, those little things come in and start pecking at the fruit. Why? Because you're like, ooh, I don't know what to do with it. There's got to be a mindset shift. You've got to stop thinking that you're some sort of victim. That just because maybe you've come from a, a, a downhill lifestyle or maybe you had a, a, a negative past or maybe you were dropped on your head when you was a baby. Okay, we understand. There's trauma in your life. That needs to be healed. We understand. We're for that. But when God starts to bless you, don't start going back to that. It might be that God's blessing is going to heal that. It's part of the blessing. Are you with me? Why are your churches and our churches limited at certain amounts? Why are our buildings limited? Why are our visions limited? Why are our resources limited? Why is the giving limited? Why is the engagement limited? Why is the discipleship limited? Why are the missionaries limited? Why aren't there more ministers rising up? 
Why aren't there more people taking a hold of the calling of God for their life? What has been limiting it? Maybe it was the different season, but how many of you know now is fruit season? Now is the time to take a hold of that which God has taken a hold of you. Now's the time to fold your head. Visit us every Sunday in person at the church building or live on Facebook and YouTube at 10am. Go to our website vomanchester.org.uk for more information.